Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, I'm joined by Interact Investor's Sam Benstead to discuss how dividend investing can help protect your portfolio against inflation. So me and Sam are going to cover five key areas. We're going to start off with the outlook for dividends in 2023. Then we're going to look at why dividends are a good strategy to fight against inflation. Then we're going to run through the fund and investment trust options for income investors. And then Sam's going to take us through the world of bonds. And then we will end by naming the income funds that Interactive Investor customers have been buying of late. So we're going to kick off with the outlook for dividends in 2023. So this week, the widely followed dividend data from Link Group was released. And it found that in 2022, it was a strong year for dividends. Uh, Payouts rose 8% year on year. Now, given it was a strong year, 2023 has an uphill task to better it. And the forecast made by Link is that dividends are expected to drop by just under 3% in 2023. There are a couple of reasons cited in the report that explain why dividends are expected to slow this year. And among them are that special dividends are going to be less generous, mining payouts are likely to fall, and the company margins are under pressure from high inflation. So Sam, what's your take of all this when you read the report? So for me, the biggest takeaway was that Link found that the boom in payouts from the resources, uh, so the mining and oil sector, were going to slow down this year as commodity prices begin to cool. And that had already started happening towards the end of last year. So special dividends, which is when companies uh, pay shareholders a one-off payment, so not, not a regular payment, registered a one-third drop last year compared with 2021. And this trend is expected to continue. Investors should remember, though, that dividends are only one side of the income equation. The other is the share price. So given that share prices of UK companies have been quite flat over the past year, although they have started rising over the past three months months or so and have had a quite good start to the year, Link still puts the 12-month yield for UK PLC at 3.7%. So that's really not a bad return for investors. But in the context of um, obviously inflation, um, you know, you look at that potential return of 3.7 and then, you know, the consumer price index reading in December was 10.5%. You know, it's quite a long way off that, which I'll come to in a moment. But I mean, on inflation, the, the consensus to me seems to be among full managers that um, inflation will halve by the end of the year. And, you know, for, for investors that are looking for inflation beating income of over 10.5%, then, you know, you've got, to, you've got to go for a very specialist and a very risky type of fund or investment trust um, you know, to get anywhere sort of near that 10.5% figure. And as, as Sam mentioned, you know, Share prices and yields, they have an inverse relationship. And the thing to remember is that a high yield, more often than not, is a sign that, you know, a stock or for whatever reason, it's out of favour. So you need to do some um, homework and some further investigation. I think overall, you know, it's more prudent for investors to consider lower yields that are more sustainable, you know, looking at yields of around 3 to 5%, maybe, maybe a little bit higher than that. But as ever... In the context of inflation today, it's really important to take a long-term view um, because, you know, the good news is that over the long term, investment returns have historically outpaced inflation. And I think that's what investors need to remember at the moment with inflation being above 10%. 
And while there are no guarantees, for those willing to be patient, there's um, you know, there's great potential for inflation beating income alongside capital growth. Now, the reasons why dividends are a good strategy in inflationary times, I mean, there's, there's a number of reasons, but for me, it's because companies tend to have, generally have sustainable and relatively predictable cash flows. And of course, while dividends are far from guaranteed, the prospect of a company paying a dividend, it gives investors greater confidence in terms of its valuation versus those companies that don't pay dividends and are instead reinvesting cash back into the business in an attempt to generate future growth. Um, so these are these are growth stocks. Because after all, if you know, providing that income is paid, dividends they do give investors a tangible return. Are there any other points you would add to that list, Sam? Yeah, well, I agree with all of that. I just highlight Diageo's results this week. So this is the, the giant alcoholic drinks company as part of the FTSE 100. And they are a favourite of income investors, so particularly Nick Train. He, he really likes Diageo shares. And in the results released this week for the six months, for the final six months of last year, they revealed that sales grew 9.4% compared with 2021 and the dividend increased by 5%. His total annual dividends have now grown at 4.1% annualised for the past five years. So that is above the inflation rate, even accounting for the spike at the moment. So it just shows how inflation can lead to higher sales, higher sales, then go back to shareholders via higher dividends. At today's share price, Diageo yields about 2%. It's just over that, which may seem low compared to some UK companies, particularly oil and mining companies. But the point is that your dividend will keep growing. And once you buy those shares, then you're going to keep getting a, um, an increasing income stream from the company's profits. So for investors looking for income options, the good news is that there are, there's plenty of choice um, amongst funds and investment trusts. I think the first point to make is that you've got to consider ultimately what you want out of the income investment. So if it's consistency of income, you know, you want a rising payout year in, year out, of course, that's not guaranteed. But if that's something that you really want to set your store by and what you really want, then I do think investment trusts have the edge over funds in this respect. And the reason why is because under the investment trust structure, they can put away 15% of income generated by the underlying holdings each year in the so-called dividend reserves. And then when there are lean periods, such as there was during the COVID-19 pandemic and also the global financial crisis, investment trusts can dip into those reserves and either maintain or in some cases, and actually in a lot of cases, continue to increase payouts. And there are, you know, there are lots of examples of investment trusts that have raised their payouts for 10 plus years, 20 plus years. And I think there's seven in total at the moment that have um, increased their payouts for 50 years or more. Whereas with funds, so these are open-ended funds, the income that is generated by the underlying investments, that has to be returned to investors each year Funds can't hold back that income to pay investors during sort of tougher times. And because of that, um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, the majority of open-ended funds um, cut their payouts. And that was the same, same as the case during the uh, global financial crisis. So, um, yeah, so if you want consistency of income, I think Investment Trust, they do have the edge. Now, in terms of what types of income funds are out there, 
you know, I think the main, the main two real sectors are UK equity income and global equity income. So overall, UK equity income funds, they have higher yields, typically ranging between, well, it could be anywhere between really 3.5% and just over 5% at the moment. And it's really important with funds to look under the bonnet because some of these funds are targeting companies that are paying high dividend yields today, whereas others are looking at lower yielders that have the have greater prospects for future growth. So you just need to look under the bonnet and make sure that you're comfortable and happy with the strategy that's being employed by the fund manager. With global equity income funds, um, as the name implies, they, they invest globally. Um, their yields are generally lower than UK equity income funds, typically between 3% to 4%. One of the main reasons for these lower yields is because global equity income funds have um, big exposure to the US stock market. And, you know, while a lot of US companies, they do pay dividends, the, um, the dividend yield does tend to be lower than the UK. Although it's also worth taking a look at um, how much exposure a global equity income fund does have to the UK. A lot of them will have, you know, less than 10%, but some of them do have more than 10%. And that 10% figure is broadly in, in line with the global index. But I think if you've already got some UK equity income exposure, then the danger is that, is that you're doubling up. So um, I mean, that, it's, it's also perfectly fine to do that, but I think it's just something to, uh, to bear in mind because you, you may want greater global diversification um, which is offered by funds that have um, minimal or no exposure to the UK. So they're, they're the two main sectors. And then there are also a couple of other equity income sectors, such as the US, um, Asia. There's some emerging market income funds as well. There's some European equity income funds as well. But I think in general, if you, I think it's more of a tactical decision to have exposure to these regional equity income funds, I think you've got to have a sort of strong view that that region is going to potentially do well over the short and medium term, because you can gain exposure to these countries and economies through a global equity income fund. And um, we're going to, Sam's going to come on to bonds shortly, but before he goes on to that, there's also alternative income options. And the main types are infrastructure, private equity, and renewable energy. Sam, could you give a quick run through of each of those and some fund and investment trust examples? Sure, yeah, very happy to. So the big one is probably infrastructure. So this sector um, of investment trusts own assets that provide the, um, the backbone of the economy. So things like roads, electricity grids, hospitals, um, and investors in these investment trusts actually tend to own the, the physical assets directly. Um, and then the income that they generate is actually returned to investors via dividends. There are also publicly listed infrastructure stocks, which are easy to buy and sell, and open-ended funds may own a basket of these publicly listed stocks. There's actually one on the Super 60 list, and that is the FTF Clearbridge Global Infrastructure Income Fund. In terms of uh, investment trusts that own the private assets, Investors could have a look at 3i Infrastructure, International Public Partnerships, or HICL Infrastructure. They all yield about 5% at the moment. A branch of the infrastructure sector is renewable energy. So investors can actually own the wind, solar farms, or energy storage assets that actually power the, electri the electricity grid and take a share of the profits via dividends. These trusts currently yield about 5 or 6%. Um, 
and are actually trading at quite big discounts at the moment, which is um, which is quite uncommon. And one of the reasons for that is that the government has um, has taken steps to take a share of their profits due to surging power prices. Greenco UK Wind has been a really popular option among II customers this year. So it owns lots of wind farms and then gets an income from from selling the uh, electricity back to the grid and then it returns it to shareholders. Like Kyle said, private equity is another area, um, less of an income focus than infrastructure, but there are plenty of private equity trusts which do um, own assets which which pay which pay dividends. So private equity is just it's just a word for assets that aren't listed on the stock exchange. Um, so these um, these privately held companies um, also generate profits and return those to shareholders. A couple of examples are the CT Private Equity Trust, which yields about five percent or the Aberdeen Private Equity Opportunities Trust, which yields about 3%. Property is another huge income area. So investment trusts can own physical office blocks or supermarkets or warehouses or, um, or shopping centers. Uh, it rents them out to tenants, takes the income, returns it to shareholders. So like renewable energy, like infrastructure, these are pretty reliable income streams. They're often inflation linked as well as part of their contracts. Um, and there is one property fund on the Super 60, and that is the TR Property Investment Trust um, that owns the physical buildings um, around Europe, so particularly offices and shopping centers. That yields 4.5% at the moment. Alternatives is a big area, and you can find some more niche income plays. So one new fund, one new trust, which is quite interesting has attracted a lot of attention is the hypnosis songs fund it owns songs and it takes the royalty payments whenever one of these songs are played so this trust owns music from the likes of shakira and the kaiser chiefs it gets an income when the song's played and that has then returned to investors it yields about six percent and has kept up with, with the income payments so far since launch a few years ago but it does trade on a huge discount of 45 percent at the moment so I think the thing to say about alternative investment trusts is that they can be more complicated to understand than um, vanilla bonds and equities, and they can swing to big premiums and, and big discounts because um, there's just a lot of things happening in those markets. And valuing these, these private assets, which they tend to be, is a complicated process. And often public market investors think that things are more expensive or cheaper than, than what the actual investment trust themselves regard as the fair value of an asset. I completely agree, Sam. It's you know it's not a simple area. I think you know it's they're not core holdings. These alternative sort of income plays, they're um, they're satellite holdings, which can you know which can give your portfolio something different. But I think it's important to limit your exposure to them rather than it being a, a major part of your portfolio. We're now going to move on to uh, bonds. Before I do though, I want to mention we obviously we ran through all the equity sort of main fund sectors for income. And I think it's worth remembering that, you know, while equities, they are higher risk than bonds, one of the differences is that there's the prospect of potential higher rewards over the long term and benefiting from capital growth as well as dividend returns. Whereas with bonds, you've got to remember, bonds, the, the coupons that they pay, it is more reliable than equities, but that coupon, it's fixed, meaning there's no possibility of a higher return. Now, Sam, you've covered extensively editorially for Interactive Investor over the past year how bond funds have had a really tough spell. 
Um, and last year, some bond funds posted losses of over 10%, which is not what you'd expect in that sort of time period. This, of course, is in response to increases in interest rates, which causes bond prices to fall. However, the silver lining for investors buying today is the bond yields, so the level of income on offer, is at the most attractive levels in several years. And overall, there's, there's quite a lot of bond optimism among the professionals. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of these of the experts point out that the expectation is that interest rates are at or near a peak. So um, now is potentially a good time to look at the higher level of income that bonds are um, offering investors. So Sam, could you go into a bit more details about you know the case for bonds today for income investors and and also the types of funds that investors can size up? Sure. So it's been a really pivotal year for the bond market. So for more than a decade, central banks have been cutting interest rates and buying bonds via quantitative easing. And this has kept yields near zero, especially for the key, um, the key developed market government bonds. So with bonds yielding nothing or next to nothing, that pushed investors into alternatives, it pushed investors into the stock market, especially for, for those dividends. But now everything has changed. So rates have gone from 0.1% in the UK to more than 3% and a similar story in the US, they're now at about 4.5%. And this has pushed up the yields on offer from bonds. So there really is finally an alternative for income seekers. And that has been reflected in the market outlooks from investment managers this year. Almost all of them have been really positive on bonds. They say that bonds are back, there's finally an alternative. And actually these income payments from bonds are particularly valuable in times of economic uncertainty because the payments are, are fixed. And if you look at the safest ends of the market, so you look at investment grade companies, you look at these massive FTSE 100 companies, or you look at bonds issued by stable, big, rich governments, these safe bonds issued by developed market governments or FTSE 100 companies, they're the investment grade corporate bonds, are really unlikely to, um, to cut their income payments even during a recession. On the other hand, if you're investing in a company, if you're investing in, in, the, in the stock market and you're relying on these dividends for income, and actually, if there is a big economic downturn, um, you know, like we saw in, at the start of 2020, then there is a good chance that they'll cut their dividends. So that income stream is, is much less reliable. Like Carl said before, you get other things when you invest in the stock market, you get that capital growth, you get those, those growing income payments, but you don't get that nearly guaranteed return or you know, monthly, quarterly return from the income that you would get from, from the safest bonds. The, the higher risk bonds don't have that same level of security. Um, you know, emerging market bonds, they can often go into default. You've seen Sri Lanka over the last year or so um, change its payouts to, to investors. So that, that is not as guaranteed. But if you look at the safest end of the bond market, then yeah, you really are getting a reliable income stream. And that's what investors look for. Investors tend to access bonds via active funds. So that's when a professional fund manager um, analyzes the market and they do research into, into companies and then, then, buy, then buy bonds for you. Um, or you can get a passive fund which owns just a basket of, of bonds that fit a certain criteria. So they might all be investment grade bonds issuing um, income payments in pounds, for example. When you buy these funds, there are a few different yields that you need to look out for on the fact sheet. The key one to look at is the distribution yield. So this is an estimation of the income 
which an investor will get paid to them based off a snapshot of the portfolio. And as well as the distribution yield, there's another important piece of jargon for um, investors to get their heads around, and that's called the, the risk-free rate. Sam, could you talk us through that? I think investors in bonds need to understand how important their, their yields are for other parts of for the entire investment universe, really. So when you buy a gilt, that is effectively the risk-free rate in the investment world. So that's where you can put your money and you can nearly guarantee you're going to get paid back by the government. So when that risk-free rate rises, it makes other income strategies less appealing because they come with risk attached. So this is one of the reasons why we've seen share prices of renewable investment trusts and infrastructure and property trusts for this year, because investors are looking at those four or 5% yields and going, well, if I can get 3% from buying a gilt, why would I risk my money to get 4% from owning property? So it pushes money into, um, into different parts of the market and affects returns from all over the, the investment world. In terms of funds, there are lots of bond funds on the Super 60 list. There's also a few on the ACE 40 list, our sustainable investment strategy options we have for investors or recommended funds we have for investors. I'll highlight a couple of high yielding ones, according to FE Fund Info, the, the data provider. So the highest yielding fund on the list as of January 2023 was the Royal London Sterling Extra Yield Bond Fund, and that yields about 6.5%, followed by the Royal London Global Bond Opportunities Fund, which has a similar yield. And then it's the M&G Emerging Markets Bond Fund, which is close to 6% in income. And for the final section of the podcast, we're going to give a quick run through of the income strategies that Interactive Investor customers have been uh, buying of late. One of the most popular is um, City of London Investment Trust. It regularly appears in our monthly top 10 look at the the most popular um, investment trusts among customers. Now, this investment trust, it has a track record of growing its dividends for 56 consecutive years. So that very high level of consistency is a major draw for investors. It's been managed by um, a fund manager called Job Curtis since 1991. So, and he's considered by a lot of people to be a safe pair of hands, including the analyst team at Interactive Investor, as the investment trust is in our Super 60 list of ideas. Another trust in the Super 60 that has been proven popular with customers of late is um, Murray International. Now this is managed by Bruce Stout. So this investment trust invests globally. And one thing that's set it apart from its competitors is that it has quite a lot of exposure to Asia and emerging market income stocks. Um, I think it's around 40% of assets. And also the uh, dividend yield is higher than other global equity income funds and trusts. It's um, around 4.2% at the moment. And two other trusts I'd highlight are Renewables Infrastructure Group and Gore Street Energy Fund. Both have been proven popular of late. They're both uh, renewable energy investment trusts. And when sizing up that sector, it's important to look under the bonnet and understand how the trust is investing. Some of these trusts, they invest in solar, some invest in wind, some invest in hydrogen, um, others invest in energy storage, while others have a more hybrid approach, you know, they invest in a bit of everything. And in the case of renewables infrastructure, it invests in wind, battery storage, and solar, whereas Gore Street energy storage 
as the name suggests, it invests in energy storage. Sam, have you got any more to add to that income list? So just a couple more on the Super 60 that I think are worth mentioning. Fidelity Global Dividend is a popular strategy. It yields 2.6% at the moment. And then the other one is Morgan Stanley Global Brands Equity Income, yielding 3.7%. So they both are actively managed and are global equity income funds looking for dividend growers as well as big payers today. If you want a professional to move money around for you, looking out for bargains and, you know, niche hidden gems of, of the income world, which they can buy and hold on to before others find them, then it might be worth looking at one of these funds because they're, um, they're both actively managed and have got a good track record. My thanks to Sam for joining me this week and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you liked it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email, which is otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.